Hello, this is Lawrence Lewis. And this is Sister Christian. Today is Thursday, April 16th, 2020. This is the Producers Happy Hour, a daily podcast with two producers on opposite coasts reaching out to our filmmaking and live event community to hear your stories about how the pandemic has affected you, your life, and your work. It's important for us to keep sharing our experiences, ideas, our stories. Your stories let us know that we're not alone. Email us, or better yet, record a one- to two-minute voice memo and send it to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Just follow the instructions on our website, producershappyhour.com. And please share the show with your high school reunion committee or your, <laughs> your definitely your friends, your colleagues, your family. We want these stories to be heard, but we also feel that whether you are in the business or not, you can relate to them because they're very human. Christian, today we're chatting with Chris Weisenhahn, a key grip based with you in New York City. Yeah, I mean, Chris is a good guy. He's pretty honest. I would like to hear his take on what's going on. I also know that he's been feeling a few symptoms. So, oh, wow. I know, like, uh, heart goes out to him and his family, but he'll yeah. definitely. Yeah, so I think he wants to talk about that a little bit too. So we'll see what's up. And it's our first key grip on the show, which is exciting. I know. <laughs> kind of I, takes us back to our our original concept was interviewing everybody on a film set to talk about how they're supported in in their role. So of course things have changed. Still great to talk to all members of the crew to get their viewpoint on what's happening during this pandemic. Yes. So Lawrence, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm really out of sorts today. <laughs> so what's going on? What happened? What's up? Well, I mean, just everything. And this all ties into everything I've put here for our little news update section. I see that. But I think the main it's full, hit, guys. The main, <laughs> just so you know, it's full. Very full. <laughs> so, so I feel like you've been doing a lot <laughs> a of research. Lot has <laughs> so go on. So the main thing is uh, I woke up this morning to the news that the $350 billion Paycheck Protection Program is out of money. Out of money. Completely done. It's done. Mm -hmm. And so, as we know, on yesterday's podcast, we found out that the $10,000 CARE Act was changed, and now it's only $1,000 per employee mm -hmm. at your company. So for a company like mine, that's one employee, that's me. Like a company like Christian, one employee, that's her. So we get $1,000 to make it through however long we're going to be out of work. Mm -hmm. So yesterday, Christian, you and I were talking offline about the Paycheck Protection Program and shifting over to that because we're technically on our own payroll, right? right? So I'm on the mm -hmm. payroll of my own company. Mm -hmm. So at least I could file for two and a half times my monthly payroll cost, right? which would be great. So I woke up this morning and that was my task today was to file for that and that's now defunded. Yes, and so there's some there's hope that Steve Mnuchin has gone to Congress to fund it. So they've been in talks. He's yes. been in talks with Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. And so hopefully that will come about. But I think that more protections are, we're trying to protect the money as well. And it's getting hung up with, you know, bureaucracy, let's call it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the Washington Post said, overwhelmed by demand from the moment it launched April 3rd, the program is now essentially run dry as small businesses around the nation beg for relief. The program is aimed at helping businesses with under 500 workers and keeping people employed by extending loans that are forgivable if businesses keep workers on payroll. And now Congress can't seem to agree on what's next. The White House has asked for another $250 billion that would only go for small businesses. Democrats want more money and to include hospitals, city, state government, plus food stamp recipients. Mm -hmm. And they're, like you said, they're expected to meet with Mnuchin uh, today. 
Right. And the hospitals, city and state governments, food stamps, all of that was left out of three and put aside to go into four. So this isn't an off-base ask. It's not. But I do feel that it's getting politicized right now. So, I mean, what isn't being politicized right now? It just feels almost even more polarized than it has been up until this date. All that. And then on top, Another 6 million people this morning filed for unemployment this week. Yes. So now we're up to 22 million, which is more than the Great Depression. And we've lost all of the job gains since the Great Recession in 2008. So to answer my question. <laughs> so to answer your question, I'm not doing really well today. I'm really annoyed. <laughs> I'm really frustrated. Yeah. And then we're having Dropbox problems with our editor. Now Dropbox is trying to charge us more money. It's been a morning. It sounds how like it's you? been how a morning. I mean, it's 12.30 for me. And to have had all this happen by <laughs> 9.30 for you, is, <laughs> I'm doing great. Good. Well, we get the kittens today. <laughs> you got cats. No, not yet. I mean, we're getting oh, them today. So after this, okay. then um, kittens are going to show up. So very exciting about That's that. Yeah. Lovely. Very exciting. And I, I did see all the news on this, and it just keeps... You know, it it just feels like the ground keeps shifting from under us. Mm-hmm. You know, like you and I were kind of felt like we were in an okay place. Maybe not great, but it mm-hmm. was an okay place mm-hmm. with, you know, what we thought was coming yep. down the pipe. Now what's coming down the pipe has morphed into something much less and much smaller. Yeah. And now it's back yeah. to anxiety central. My friend Dustin Lancaster, who owns a bunch of restaurants in the Los Feliz Silver Lake area and mm-hmm. also in Highland Park, bunch of establishments that you know that that we've been to Covell one of them nice he posted a graphic on Instagram that compares the airline industry with the restaurant industry right a small restaurant industry independent restaurant employees are approximately 11 million people airline employees 750,000 however the CARES Act relief included 25 billion dollars worth of airline specific relief and zero dollars for restaurant specific relief Obviously, the airline industry's got lobbyists and representatives and power and all of that. But the uh, the independent restaurant industry is is obviously struggling. So that's just depressing news. Uh, yeah. And then there's, you know, the structure, right, of how the business loans were getting paid. Basically, yeah. if you had a an ongoing relationship with, say, Chase, one of the, you know, or Bank mm-hmm. of America, it was easier for them to pay yeah. your loan first. So if you are a small business who may only go to a credit union or, you know, like don't mm-hmm. use one of the big banks, your loan may have been bumped to the back of the line because yeah. lenders were paying people that they had relationships with first. Which right. to me Not, feels just yeah, like yeah. they should they should be paid in the order they came in. They should be paid in the order they came in for sure. Or, I mean, because everybody is hurting right now, but, mm-hmm. and it feels like the, there was something, a tickle of something that I saw, which I have to do more research on, but it was like real estate and contractors and mm-hmm. uh, construction was kind of bumped to the front of the line too, because of the relationships right. with banks. So, you know, I have to do more research on that. It just feels like... Our little, uh, our little tiny production companies <laughs> that do plenty of business, and we pay our taxes. I mean, we deserve yes. the same recognition that everybody else does. So exactly. here we are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can understand what's got you going today. <laughs> mm, yeah, 
Christian, do you see this thing that our good friend Susan Ruid Anderson sent us from AICP regarding the DGA? Um, Yes, I did see that, but please. Okay, so this is a memo that came to all AICP members. And for our listeners that don't know, AICP is the Association of Independent Commercial Producers. It's a collective that barters for production companies with all the unions Mm -hmm. and guilds in the industry of commercials. So the DGA, the Directors Guild of America, has recently been asking production companies to complete a form in addition to the CPLF, which is the Commercial Project Listing Form, where you report which director and ADs you have working on your job for each job shooting remotely. So now, you know, we have all these jobs where everyone's right. shooting remotely. Directors or filming at, home, at their home. To a yeah, exactly. Camera ga- yeah, exactly. They claim it provides information that will allow them to consider granting a waiver to allow for (laughs) remote shooting, which the DGA contends is not permitted contractually. Unlike the CPLF, which was created in AICP DGA collective bargaining as to content and use, this form was created only by the DGA and not approved by the AICP. In addition, they have communicated with their members that shooting remotely requires a waiver. So the AICP is strongly saying that they disagree with the requirement for a waiver when a director is performing their duties remotely. So that's kind of a big deal. The DGA is deciding whether or not they're going to allow these remote shoots to happen in every in every case. Right. And so technically, you know, to me, that means that what they're trying to do, if a director's in their own house and they are a DGA member, they cannot work unless you've hired a first AD as well. And, you know, everything that goes along with that, or they're not allowed to work remotely unless the DGA says they can. Yeah. Yeah. Which gets into that whole thing. We've been minimum staffing. About with all, minimum staffing, covered work. Mm-hmm. If you send a camera to a real person, a, a hospital worker, with an instruction manual on how to use it, and they shoot themselves doing their thing, mm-hmm. do you have to pay them as a 600 camera person? Or do you have to, you know, shadow them? Right. You have to right. pay a 600 camera person that's sitting at home. A, yes, a person that can guide, focus, yeah. <laughs> data downloads. <laughs> I understand the protection that the unions are trying to give to their employees. But what I don't understand is the spirit of compromise here. Right. If people yeah. can work right now who have gone from working every single day to nothing, then I, I just I don't understand the logic right now. I know. Me neither. All right. It's got me going. Christian. Well, so I don't have a union. So <laughs> oh, I don't either. We don't have don't a union. Either. We don't have a union. Um, not in not for the type of producing that we do. So it's yeah. always and been the, and the guild, mm-hmm. the guild, the producers guild, just to be clear, does not recognize commercial work as countable towards membership. Right. So and so we're not producers guild either. Yeah, exactly. And so even though we're highly qualified individuals who <laughs> <laughs> who know how to do this work. <laughs> we we do not qualify, which, you know, okay, fine. We don't have a union backing to protect us, but we're required in our positions to understand and know all of the union rules with the people that we work yep. with, right? So I've always looked at them as a guideline or a structure. That way, you know, things are done properly and everybody has a certain, you know, mindset and set of rules to conduct their filming by, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is where I differ with, I think that people should be able to do what they can right now. Just give a six-month waiver to everybody. Yeah. Just give a blanket waiver. 
Like, why do you have to go through this? Because it looks like what job the, by job. Yeah, it looks like what the DGA is doing is tracking, which in addition would be for their dues and you know member working. You know, I guess I think we should have somebody from the DGA on. I know. So, I know. hey, anybody out there? We've reached out. We've <laughs> we, reached out. We've definitely reached out. So, if anybody has we any can juice, try again. send them our way. <laughs> So one more thing, and I know you've got one thing too, but uh, there was this letter that was circulated from the State of California Labor and Workforce Development Agency. Yes. Talking about their collaboration with the EDD, which is the Employment Development Department, the agency that handles unemployment insurance, talking about how they're ramping up, how they're staffing so they can be working 24 hours a day to process everyone's unemployment claim. It sounds very promising that they're very focused in getting that system working. On the sideline, This letter states that the CARES Act also created a special program for this crisis called the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance, or PUA. So you're (laughs) going to start hearing a lot about that, PUA. (laughs) The PUA provides federally funded benefits distinct from the UI program, the Unemployment Insurance Program, for certain individuals out of work or partially unemployed due to the COVID-19 crisis, including the self-employed, individuals who lack sufficient work history, and independent contractors. Federal guidelines on how to administer PUA came out on April 5th and include gig workers as an example of those eligible for PUA. So every day since then, they've been working on making sure that they get Californians who are entitled to relief under PUA and that they have a way to do it reliably. So they're setting up a whole system to do it. They don't want applications that just sit in a queue while they don't have a system built to deliver the money. So they're coming up with a whole way of doing this. And it sounds very smart. And hopefully that will come through. So keep your eye on the PUA, the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance. I think that's California only, but I wanted to make sure people knew about that. Awesome. Again, commending California for having your shit together out there. I know. <laughs> it's I'm quite um, proud of this state right now. Yeah. I mean, it's happening. It's the place to be. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> came across an article that the CEO of BBDO um, addresses layoffs because it it appears that, you know, BBDO has um, implemented a significant number of layoffs, salary slashes and furloughs. Yeah. Basically. And I'm I'm sure that's going to be rippling through the ad agency world. I mean, I think so. Like wildfire. Exactly. Because, you know, BBDO has multiple offices. So it it is believed that BBDO's North America presence lost a swath of high-level talent. Exact numbers are not clear at this stage. However, the New York office laid off somewhere near the high double digits, no more than 100, some people say. But in the end, I understand that they're laying off because there's not, you know, no advertising going on. Yeah. This could, uh, I mean, I understand that it's affecting our industry for sure. And we're going to be ready when things start to ramp back up. I just wonder what this means for commercials or content or branded anything. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I know. Well. That was a lot of news. That was a lot of news. Mm-hmm. Sorry for being such downers, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I do the, think that we got into this structured, uh, we're doing this every day and week four, uh, okay, we got this, uh-huh. whatever, and then bam, bam, it's like a one-two punch oh, of information that's happened the last two days. So, yes. you know, everybody needs to look up in their own state. There are some relief programs like the PUA for California. Mm-hmm. And there's another one in California that a friend of mine that's going to actually be on the show is, is signing up for. So you got to dig in. You got to do your research and see what's out there that you might qualify for. Grants, loans. I don't know. 
Well, Lawrence, since we're in this funk right now, why don't we try to take some action? Oh, yes. <laughs> so on our on our website. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so let's start off. Take action button. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So go to our website and mentioning canceling rent in New York City. Oh, I did see like a feel good story. I should mention this actually. Michael Che of Saturday Night Live. Oh, I did right, see this. Did, so I don't know if anybody watched Saturday Night Live. It was definitely it was nice to see the thought that had gone into it. I thought it was yeah. it was awesome. During weekend update, Michael Che had said that he'd lost his grandmother, which is tragic. Yes. He's decided to pay the rent of 160 apartments in his grandmother's building for this month. And I thought that was amazing. He's like, I can do this. This is what I can do. I can't do it for more than a month, though, because yeah. I'm not, you know, it's not like I'm swimming <laughs> in money or whatever. No. And so he's reached out directly to our representatives to see what the heck we're going to do about, you know, rent come May 1st. Nobody's working. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see what happens next week. But yes, please go and sign the petition. Live Event Coalition is also there. They have a petition as well as the PLSN and FOH Magazine's Economic Impact Survey. Those both have to do with the live event community. So if you work at live events, check those out, sign those petitions, fill out the surveys because they're trying to give visibility to that industry and to Washington to make sure some relief comes that way. Here's the deal. They need people to donate blood because blood banks are on their last packs right now. However, they're also looking for donors who have had the virus right. to get the antibodies. So if you feel like you've had some symptoms, please get out there and donate some blood. A, you may find out whether you had it or not and whether you have antibodies. But B, you could be helping somebody to get those antibodies and turn them into helping somebody else. The USPS is also in trouble the uh, state's post office. This one just keeps getting worse each day. <laughs> to, I know to make sure to make sure that they're protected because that is our lifeline to each other in a affordable easy way. This is a big deal especially when it comes to voting because I don't know that we're going to be able to go to a polling center come fall. So save the post office. And then we have Globetops. Globetops is a friend of mine's charity where they take your old laptops, they clean them out, they wipe them, then they load the appropriate software and she's donating them to children in New York City who do not have a device to do their homework on. This is impacting us in every single aspect of our community. So if you've got an extra laptop, please give it up, along with your blood. Those two things. Yes. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we have the IADA Filmmaker's Guide to Applying for U.S. Coronavirus Relief. I don't know how much any of that is worth anymore because the PPP is out of money. We're going to leave that up there because there's good information up there and it answers a lot of questions and maybe they might come back online with more fun. So we'll find out. It, it's definitely good information. And I do think that they have to. They have to. I mean, this this money to. was a drop in the bucket and not everybody yep. got the yep. help that was promised. So they yep. have to do more. So hopefully. Hopefully. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Enough ranting. Should we get on with yes, our interview, Christian? Along with our okay. interview. Chris Weisenhahn is a New York-based freelance key grip with 10-plus years experience. Chris has worked on numerous commercials and music videos, as well as movies and TV shows. He's the master of the dolly and can rig damn near anything. He's nice. one of the hardest-working dudes I know. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's take a listen. Hey, Chris, thanks for joining us today. We'd love to check in with you first before we start to see how you're doing, how your family's doing. I know you and I spoke a few days ago and it sounded like you weren't feeling great, like you were missing your taste or your smell, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so maybe 10 days ago, I went um, to grab something to eat and it's weird. Not having a sense of taste is very strange because you can still sense textures. Like I can sense sweetness. I can sense the texture of food. I can sense saltiness. I can sense things, but it's not registering as a flavor. It's just like the sensation. Right. The smell part is very um, kind of awesome because you can't smell anything. It's, everything is just straight neutral. So you are you can not shower and be like oh Oh, leave it to you to say that (laughs) well how's your um how's your family doing everybody is good thank you for asking my kid i have a three-year-old son named mason and my girlfriend is uh samantha and we're doing really well we live fortunately outside of the metropolitan area in new york having a three-year-old we find all the little fields and things away from people to just get him to burn off some energy and get to run around a little bit because he doesn't understand any of it. He just tells me that we can't go places because people are getting sick. Well, I wonder if that's a bit of a blessing in disguise. I think it is at 100%. I mean, you try to keep your kids as innocent as possible for as long as possible. And Absolutely. And Chris, where where in the world are you right now? Uh, I'm in Hartsville, New York, and for anybody that doesn't really know where that is, a lot of people are familiar with Yonkers or White Plains, New York. It's in Westchester mm. County, just about 35 minutes north of Manhattan. Okay. And so you mostly work in New York. Can you give us a little bit of background on your career path? How did you start? What are you doing now? And what have you been doing up until when the pandemic hit? About 10 years ago, I uh, actually about 11 years ago, I started out um, when I went unemployed, kind of in between jobs. There is a cinematographer in the New York area, mostly doing documentary work. He was working on a short film for a friend, and he said, uh, why don't you come out and work on this thing? So I did, and I was a production assistant. But on a short film, I know, as most of us know, we kind of everybody wears a bunch of hats and do whatever is necessary to get the job done. So my initial experience was whatever it was. I got the craft service table ready and then I went in and moved the light around and then I grabbed the camera lens and, you know, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. It was fantastic. I really fell in love with it at that point. And uh, I went from this kind of guerrilla operation into this very structured militant operation where we were on a commercial and everybody had a specific job. So I was trying to do all these other things like I had done on the first job that I worked on and just really pissed a lot of people off without question. I still knew that there was somewhere in between that I could land that I wanted to do. So a really nice man named Steve, he uh, said, Hey man, you're just terrible at this. You're strong and could probably do some good in the electrician world. I said, Okay, cool. What, what does that entail? He said, well, if you give me your time, I'll give you my knowledge. And so I went to his house a few times. He broke down the basics of being an electrician to me. He had me intern for a little bit. And um, I started off down that path. While I was doing that, I 
got called to be a truck driver swing on a very low budget film. I took that job and when I got there, the electricians were just not nice at all. <laughs> they did not want any part of me. They were like, <laughs> Hey, uh, this is our stuff. But the grips, they were like, man, you want to carry this stuff up these stairs? And I was like, sure. And they just <laughs> pulled me in and kind of didn't look back from there. Now I am a key grip in New York City on commercials. That's awesome. Were you on a project when this when the pandemic hit, like the uh, second week of March? Were you on something? Were you finishing up something? Did you have a job get canceled? I was. I was actually on something that the last day went from a full shoot day into a breakdown day. So we were at a stage in New Jersey. It was a week-long job. The days went by. It became more and more apparent that this wasn't just some sort of thing that was going to pass us by. You hear a lot of things each year, every other year, there's always like some kind of a bird flu or or whatever that doesn't really, I'm sure it's very relevant to the people that are touched by it, that just kind of never fully becomes relevant in our area. We keep moving about our day and it, it never really touches home. And so this was a very strange situation where we had a lot of jobs canceled. And, um, I had two jobs canceled at the end of the uh, month of March while I was on the job that was shooting. And third day came around of the shoot day and our producer came over to us and explained that they had decided to change our last day, which was going to be that Friday, maybe the 14th of March, that Friday was now going to pack the stuff up as neatly and quickly as we could and get out of Dodge. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so ever since then, I've just been doing the quarantine thing like everybody else would think. Yeah, I think that was Friday the 13th, oddly enough, of March. That was my last day bidding a job. I turned in the bid and we started to pack up to get out of town. So yeah, I think that's exactly when things started to go a little haywire. Yeah, it definitely did. I'm, and, and, you know, backtracking a little bit, uh, I, I want to say that I'm glad you guys are both safe. This is... Well, thank you. Like Likewise. Yeah, it's, it's a hard situation. You know, I think that there are a lot of people in a lot of different scenarios. And I am fortunately one of the people that it is very easy for. I, I, I you know, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm kind of enjoying quarantine a bit. <laughs> <laughs> There's some of us who are okay. We have our days. We talk about this often for those who can, those who are not suffering and trying to figure out how to buy groceries, this momentary pause in the crazy world that we live in in film production is a very, very nice break. It gives you time to be with your kid, which is a a lovely thing to have. So it's great to see the blessings in that, right? While we acknowledge at the same time that this is really, really challenging for people who aren't able to make ends meet right now. So But I want to ask you, so, you know, being a key grip, you've got a crew of guys under you that you look out for, right? You protect. Have you been talking to them? Are you chatting with them and and kind of talking about what's happening? Tell us about that. 100%. I mean, um, anybody that knows me, I'm not the easiest person to work for or however you want to word it. But my team that I work with all the time is a, a handful of guys. They definitely, there's no doubt about it that they know that I love them to death. I do reach out to them. I, you know, I have a bunch of people that I've been trying to keep in touch with, you know, some people that, especially people that kind of live on, on their own. Cause I know that this is 
hitting those mm-hmm. people harder than anybody else. It's a hard thing to be stuck alone with yourself. And no matter how much you've got going on for yourself, after a certain amount of time, to be alone is a tough thing. And, you know, it's really something that I've been thinking a lot about because I've been down that road before. And mm-hmm. I feel very fortunate, like we were just talking about, to have my family with me. And it's really awesome for me. But at the same time, it makes me think about all of my friends that are out there and maybe don't have the same setup. And I, I really do want them to know that I'm out there thinking about them. I think, you know, I want them to be safe. I want them to know that, you know, just because we're not working together doesn't mean that they're not out of my thoughts. I would love to know, are people reaching out to you for work at all? I just want to gauge what's going on out there because I've gotten a few calls. Lawrence has gotten a few calls. There's been like some discussions of stuff. I just wonder, is anybody like looking? Have you received any calls like that? Not gotten calls for work, but I have. I could tell you right now that this hurts my heart. I don't want people to be out there working right now. If you're out there working, you're not helping the situation. And I do know that there were jobs going on over the past few weeks. I know for facts they were happening. I know that a music video is reaching out to people to shoot not far from me in Yonkers, New York. Really? Uh, about what? two weeks ago, which is unbelievable. It's absurd. And then I know that last week there was some tabletop jobs going on. It doesn't seem necessary. You know, it, do- it, it doesn't feel like you should be out there working. And I apologize if I'm hurting people's feelings or getting under people's skin. And I do not know people's situations financially, mm-hmm. person to person. So, you know, it's just from my standpoint, in New York City, most people who work around take the subway to work or Uber or something. Is that within public reach? So that means that there could be somebody that just got out of your Uber that was sick. Now you bring that to set. Now you're touching equipment. Now you're interacting with three, four people. It doesn't matter that it's not as many people. If you even transmit it to one person and that one person then gets on the subway and transmits it to 10 more people, we're talking about how this started in the first place. It bothers me a lot. I I, I know that there was a job that went on yesterday. (gasps) What? uh, That they were rigging a camera to a car that belonged to one of the New York City coroners. So you don't get any closer to what this is. Oh, my God. It doesn't make any sense. It's insanity. And, you know, I think it's irresponsible for the person to take the job, but I also think it's irresponsible for the people to be producing these jobs, right? Agreed. Yeah, who are these producers? We agree with you 100%. It is unethical. I understand that people have the thought of, you know, like, they'll turn it down if they don't want to do it. No, we should not be offering as producers the work right now because it's so dangerous. I couldn't imagine asking somebody to do something or somebody doing something because of the relationship that I have with them or somebody doing something because they are, they need the money, they need the money, all of those things, and then them getting sick. Like, it's just nuts. It's just nuts. It's irresponsible, and it should not be happening. Absolutely. I'm sure you're not getting called because um, they would know that you say no. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm certainly a pain in the ass. I know. I love it. No, you do it right. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, it, it, 
obscenities that would the obscenities that would come out of my mouth if somebody offered me to rig a car to the coroner's vehicle oh, would be ridiculous. Gosh. What could you possibly gain from it? If you if you want to do that, you know what? Watch a YouTube video and do it yourself. Yeah, Don't pull exactly. other people into no. the situation. The amount of things that happened in order to make this particular shot for this stupid thing whatever it may be, happen is laws were bent. I'm for one really not happy with the fact that people are doing this. Yeah, it's definitely not good. And the film industry has a history of putting crew in peril and in dangerous situations. Generally, the first AD and the grip department that looks after general safety, first AD for the crew, personal safety, and you guys safety for equipment and gear and rigging and that kind of safety. So, yeah, coming from you to hear that somebody is asking that out of a crew during this time is it's just baffling to me. So let me ask you, we all know that the future is, is a little uh, untold right now, right? So we are going to get through this. We are going to go back to work at some point, but we all know that that is maybe going to look a little bit different. Do you have any thoughts about what does it look like going forward when we are back to work? Because your department specifically, it's labor. You need people. Whereas, you know, I can work remotely from home and I can have a coordinator working remotely and we can kind of pare down a small crew and have one camera person. And a lot of departments get scaled down. But when it comes to equipment and gear, hands and people and bodies that know the gear is what you need. How do you see us coming out of this when we go forward and we have restrictions on how many crew members we're allowed to have until there's a vaccine? Yeah, uh, that's a really good point. And it seems like, you know, everything is speculation at this point. Even on the smallest commercial job, we're going to have 20 to 30 people on set. It's yeah. just how it works. You know, there's you, you always go to a location and how often have you guys heard well so-and-so told us it was only going to be a small shoot and in our minds we're coming in as a small shoot i only have a few thousand dollars worth of equipment we're like yeah this is a small shoot but in their minds they're like well this is enormous so relating that 20 people interacting with each other goes back to the same thing that i was talking about before with working right now one person doesn't realize they're sick. They get one or two people sick. Those two people get more people sick. We go from one job to another, to another, to another. And as much as I have the same crew that I love to death, I can't keep them all week unless I call them like a month in advance. So they're going to go on and see other people and other people are going to see other people. I mean, we are a prime example of, of how things like this spread. So while in times of life being healthy and prosperous it's a wonderful thing and we all get to interact with so many people and we have and people that we really care about during a time like this it can become very scary to go back to work and i think that that's going to hold back the film industry particularly in new york because of how much of a petri dish new york is you got right. you go in right. the subway <laughs> and you're just like oh god i, I don't even want to go to the grocery store right now and still riding the subways. I, I couldn't imagine doing that. Anymore. That was disgusting. I agree. And I think that the city needs to be doing more for that because I know it's a lot of essential workers that have to ride the subway on the same token. You know, it, it scares me to death. I'm in a position where I don't have to. I don't. Do you know what I mean? I've always thought that about you guys where 
the forefront of my mind whenever I do a job, especially if it's only for one or two shoot days, like understanding that you guys will have a shoot day before you get to my job and a shoot day after you get to my job. What I try to do is make sure that everything is great for the time that you're on my set. <laughs> because I know the hours you guys work. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but I want everybody out there that doesn't know Sister Christian to understand something right now. <laughs> this is not a Sister Christian commercial, stop it. <laughs> no, no, we turned it into one. The way that you care about us, Sister Christian, you are 100% wonderful. You, I don't ever feel like I'm compromising. I just feel like I'm with my friends and I'm, I'm having a it, good time. So I just want you to know that. Now that makes me feel good because you may leave our sets at midnight and have to get up at 6 a.m. to go to another job because you work on a daily basis. You don't get turnaround. The least that I feel the production should do is at least take that into consideration whenever they're lining up their days. I know it's hard sometimes because, you know, there are parameters on jobs or some piece of gear goes down. Like there, there are many things that cause productions to go long, but to plan a production to go long always just, you know, something we I avoid on jobs. So last question, and then we'll let you go. So when this is all over, and again, we don't know what normal means because we hate normal, but understanding that our lives will be different moving forward than they were before this, what thing are you looking forward to the most when this is over to doing? Could be anything. Um, this thing has really shown me that the people that are important to you you really need to let them know that it's a, that they're important to you. I, I'm just looking forward to that first day back with all these guys work so well with, and just I just want to do one of those. You know, just one of those jobs where you you come onto set and they're like, "Oh, you got the dream team with you." It's the dream team isn't because everybody's so awesome at their job. The dream team is because you work so well together that it doesn't look like you're working. That's because you just love each other. You got so much, you go to battle with each other. You're as grips. We're in the rafters. We're on the ground. We're in pools. We're, we're doing crazy things all the time. And beginning of the day, end of the day, my guys all know the ones that are with me every day. We start with a hug. We end with a hug. It's, it's not something that I've made a law. It's just that we all come up to each other beginning of the day, hug as sappy and as stupid and as rehearsed as it sounds or whatever. <laughs> That's really what I'm looking forward to, you know, just seeing everybody again and interacting. In interaction is really what I'm missing. I, I love my family and I am not sad at where I am, but I, I really do want to see them again. And I'm really excited for that day. And I hope that it's not with masks and gloves on, even though it probably <laughs> yeah. will be for a while. But like, I really do hope that this brings people closer together. In New York, I think that it's a blessing and a curse. You know, we are resilient because we have short memories. With this, I want to be, I want us to get really emotional about it. And we don't have to hold on to those emotions, but we do really have to take the lessons from it. We have to be more kind to each other. We have to respect yeah. each other. We have to, yeah. you know, everybody's job is really important on a film set. And in the reverse, in the reverse aspect, it could be anybody that could get anybody sick. So right. anybody could tear down the job, which means that if, if anybody can tear down a job, it means that anybody can be a crucial piece to that job. So right. we really do have to give respect to everybody that's 
that's out there. And I, I know there have been people that feel like they've been disrespected by me. I know that I feel that I've been disrespected by people. I think that if everything else is regenerating. I think we just regenerate that too. You know, let things have that have happened in the past go. Come into every job expecting the best. Treat it like it's going to be the best. Let's start at 100 again and see what kind of grade we can end up with as the years tick past. But we're going to all come back with bad attitudes or like, or whatever it may be. What's the point? We got to reflect, you know, go, go back. And I'm going back to those days that even if it felt like I was right, the days that make me cringe about myself, I'm pulling out the lesson, you know, mm-hmm. we all got them. You're lying to yourself if you don't. There are totally. days that you just sit there and you're like, oh, I hate myself for doing that. You don't mean you hate yourself, but you're just like, you're embarrassed about the way you reacted or you did whatever. Even in the moment, you felt you're like you're right. But those are the things that I'm reflecting on. And there's nice. nothing like, you know, right now, I got nothing but time. <laughs> nothing but time. So. <laughs> I feel like on a film crew, there are two families on the crew. One is our department. And one is Grip Electric. I, I know those are two separate families, so maybe there's three, but I, I feel like you guys look out for each other and you're tight and you come in and you're experts and you know the job and you stand up for what you believe is right. And hats off to you. Like everything you said today is resonates with me so much. And it's such a weird time. And to hear your thoughts on this, it was it's really heartwarming. Thanks, Chris. I mean, <laughs> Chris is great, man. I enjoy working with him because he of his honesty, but also, I mean, I'm sure you can tell he works very hard. <laughs> yes, of yeah. course. Yeah. Um, but he also and that's speaks the, his that's mind. the thing. It's, you know, he, 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 he speaks his mind, but when people speak their mind and they stand up for themselves and the crew, that whole package, when that comes with, they rock it out. They do mm-hmm. the work. They work hard. You can't do anything but respect it. I know there are producers out there that probably fight it and want to push back on it. And that's just so wrong. You know, it's like those people. Or think he's difficult to work with. Or think he's difficult to work with. No, he's telling you what he needs Mm -hmm. to do his job. Listen to him. Maybe maybe it comes off bristly. Maybe it comes off the wrong way. Maybe you don't like the way he talks to you. He's helping you do a good job. Guide the job. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And to to hear the fact that somebody's out there shooting or trying to rig rig shit to a corner's car i mean no i mean i i just i'm like what yeah that's insane he did have a few um gems there like uh oh yeah we have to learn the lessons we do and i like that that's really good like looking back on what you know like maybe revisiting some difficult jobs and trying to understand better you know if there was anything you could do or Absolutely. what? how you will do it in the future if it comes up again. That's a great thing to think about. It is. We've touched on that before in past episodes of hoping we just don't go back to the way things were. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another video that I, I saw I want to talk about on tomorrow's episode, but somebody was saying, you know, can we just for one second during this moment, I'll just think that maybe the way we were doing things was wrong. Yeah. I mean, sure, we did a lot of right things, and that's just how not to blame anything. But yeah, some things maybe were wrong. And now is a moment where we get to look back and think, I could have done that better, and this is how I would do it better. A redo. And maybe we can hold on to that coming out of this. Right. Mulligan, as they say. (laughs) Start at 100 again and see what kind of grade we end up with at the end. That's a good one, too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
And as New Yorkers, that we're, we are resilient because we have short memories. And that right. was interesting, too, because in our job, you know, we work hard and we, you know, but coming back mm-hmm. and doing the job day after day with a good attitude is because you can let a lot roll off your back in this job or mm-hmm. understand that the what's happening is a learning experience. So, again, like uh, he's definitely hit a few nails on the head there. <laughs> Pain has no memory, right? Right. So when you go through a painful situation like now, your body forgets it. And I think that's ingrained in us. I read this, call me crazy. I read this somewhere at some point. Uh, that okay, crazy. It's uh, it's why women are able to have a second baby. Yeah, that pain, mm-hmm. the pain of labor, mm-hmm. it's disposable. It 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 right. doesn't last with you. You have some vague memory of it, but you don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And the love you feel of what you created is over overcomes that pain, so you right. have a second one. Same thing when we go through something like nine eleven or what we're going through now. The pain of it, we don't forget it, but the pain of it, we can no longer, we don't have a memory of of that feeling. So we kind of go back to our lives and that's how we can get through events like this. Mm -hmm. So a part of that means going back to bad behavior, going back to the way things were. But, I, you know, hopefully we can learn lessons out of this and we can all come back at 100, like you said. I like that. It'll be good. What a great show. Yeah. Today. Man. Yeah. We should definitely thank Rob Bloomkey for being our editor and producer type doing this show for yes. us. Yeah. Yes. He's been making us sound smart for the past <laughs> 26 episodes. So thanks to him. We should definitely thank Christopher Daniels for our beautiful logo and show artwork that was created <laughs> back when this was about having drinks and, and chatting with film production people before the pandemic hit. Also, thanks to Kyle Puccia for the great music uh, that we have not used. Maybe we'll find it. Someday. We'll find another. (laughs) Someday we'll bring music back into this and we'll find another track that makes more sense for what we're doing now because it it all changed. But I think that's it for today, right, Christian? That's it for today. That's all we got, folks. Everybody stay safe, stay connected, and stay active, and please stay home. If you leave the house, please wear a mask, especially in a few cities now. You're going to get fined $1,000 for not doing it. So Mm -hmm. uh, not only look after yourself, but you should be looking out for others in case you're a carrier. So please wear your mask. Wash your hands constantly and don't touch your face. Be sure to send us your voice recordings or emails to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Yes, we love hearing them. Lawrence, how do people reach you directly? LawrenceTLewis.com or for voiceover work, voiceoflawrence.com. You do voiceover? I do voiceover. (laughs) Everyone, Lawrence does voiceover. It's the only thing that keeps uh, (laughs) some money coming in right now. Um, Christian, how do people get a hold of you directly? They can get me at sisterchristianproduces.com, a soon-to-be new website. Hey. I can't wait. Yeah. When is that happening? After the, after the under... subscription challenge and okay. All right. before we're back to work. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I know. So there you go. All right, All folks. Right. See you tomorrow. Thanks Bye. for listening.